Cameron. Uh, yeah. It's you. It's you and me. Oh, okay. I want to talk Hi. about... Uh, oh, I should introduce the show, but I found... I don't even know how the best way to, to set this up. So at work, we're, you know, we, we bought that building and we're redoing the building and it's been a whole to-do. Because I know I've talked about this off and on on the show. Um, we got the floor redone today. And that's finished and it looks nice, except... Um, the guy did half the floor on one day and half the floor on the other day. And he, you know, he, he had to open another thing of um, epoxy and chips. And they were from the same lot number and they had the same uh, the model number on the bucket. So they're supposed to be the same color. And they weren't. And so no. there's a, a very straight line down the floor where you can see it goes from like this color to a, a lighter version of that color. And... My first question was, is it a mistake if it makes me laugh? <laughs> so that's that's the first thing. That there's not a lot of conversation there, right? Then whatever. That that was entertaining. You, it's like, okay, what else is gonna happen today? Can you get a huh? picture of the two floors and Photoshop like pregnant Sonic and mistakes and miracles and I can send you a picture of the two floors and then you can Photoshop pregnant Sonic and mistakes and miracles. That wasn't my question, but I'll do it. Uh, I'll do that after the show. If I bring my ca- my phone near the microphone, it'll get all... Which is horrible. The other thing I had to do was check... Because when we bought this, we also got a garage with it. That's been a total shit show. And we've been asking the guy that sold it to us, Hey, you need to clean your stuff out uh, so we can use this, or we're going to start throwing it away. It's been a couple months. He's well past you know his due date of get your shit out or we're going to get rid of it. And I'm walking through there, and it's still full of stuff, but it is mostly garbage. I'm like, I can't believe we bought this building, and, like, they didn't clean it out. Like, this, this is really rude. And, yeah, we got a dumpster out back. We can, you know, not that hard to get rid of it, but it's we shouldn't have to. And then I go to the back, and, I'm like, there's this big blue barrel back there. I'm like, why is this here, and what is in it? And I look in there, and it's full of fucking animal bones, Cameron. Oh, what kind of animals? Um, The skull looked like a deer. And then based on all oh. the hunting culture, uh, so not I'm like guessing chicken. it was deer. No, no, like big ass, like there's some femurs in there that are very large that could potentially be human, but probably not. I hope not. I don't want to ask any questions. I just want them gone. You ever, you ever find dead animals and animal bones at work? No, we don't have a lot of animals here. You do it because you're in California. It's just the people. That was a political satire. We did it. I don't get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> my, um... <laughs> That's such a great so response yeah, my, my to that been claim. A... Been a week. Yeah. My boss has been gone, and normally those are great weeks because I can, like, they're calm and shit doesn't hit the fan and I can get stuff done. But also, his, like, second-in-command who does a lot of the scheduling and coordinating is gone on a business trip. And so... That's me now, this week. And so instead of having a normal week, I am beginning to really appreciate the amount of work some of my coworkers do. And I actually emailed her the other day, and I was just like, I don't know how the fuck you put up with all of these idiots, and all of the bullshit, and all the people just that just show up at the door because they have things to do, and you're like, why are you here? What do you mean you have to winterize our sprinkler system? I think I know where that is. Yes, I will show you, unless it's not in this room, in which case, I don't know where it is. It was in that room. But it's just been, like, nonstop weird shit. And then 
she's got like so much timeline stuff that I'm like, I don't know where any of this is. And it's like, oh, it's in it's in a giant calendar behind her office on the back wall. Like she's got it, you know, a dry erase board. And boy, did that save some save some time today. It's like, oh, maybe it's on the calendar. She's not here, but she's here in spirit. So everybody, if you have a coworker that you're like, boy, I like that coworker. They really help me out. You know, let them know. <laughs> Because I had to do that because I felt like I, you know, she deserved it. She deserved a pat on the back because I had to, I had to fill her role and it sucked. Been a week. That is a good lesson to take away from all that, though. Yeah, I mean, we can be positive about it. It hasn't been, like, terrible. It's just been, like, um, really eventful and vaguely stressful. I mean, it's been a week. And weeks happen. How about you? Uh, I had, um, I mean, I, I feel like I've been especially frustrated at work for the past uh, short while. And it, it, I had one of those days where um, multiple things are going wrong and I'm not really happy about any of it. And at some point, uh, like a, the manager came in. I only see him once a week, maybe. And he came by as I was walking out to lunch, and it's like I didn't make eye contact with him. Because it's like I was at my limit, and I didn't want to hear anything else to do, you know? Sure. And so he asked me, hey, are you okay? Not, hi, Cameron, or, you know, hey, what's up? But he just, like, he saw me, and he's like, hey, are you okay? And I was like, no. And I just kept walking out. And it was one of those <laughs> things where it's like, it was rude, and I felt bad for being rude, but then I'm sitting in my car trying to like cool off, and then I'm tr- I'm also trying to figure out like, okay, does he think I'm gonna shoot up the place or not? Because I feel like that's erratic behavior. I also kind of appreciate someone that asks you that when they visibly see that you aren't, because I feel like a yeah, lot yeah. of a lot of the standard operating procedure is to just ignore it and be like, oh, they'll figure their shit out, or this will be awkward. Um, but I want my project done and we're here to work. And so when you actually have someone is like, Oh, are you okay? You look kind of, you know, like I I do appreciate that level of like human interaction at work when you, you're just like, Oh, we are adults and we are, you know, capable of more than the sum of our parts is nice. I think, yeah, I, I don't, I don't talk about my work a whole lot here. Uh, everyone at my facility is a human being. There's people I have to deal with in other cities and other states and other countries that are like robots that don't work right. And it's the kind of thing where if we were in the same building, I could at least look over their shoulder and explain to them what they're doing wrong. But I can't do that. And no one's going to treat them like an adult or have any expectations of them. So I'm at the mercy of them figuring things out on their own. And it just seems like there's a lot of cases of this, you know? Yeah. So I get burnt out. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I had like a, 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 an almost sociopathic interaction with someone the other day over $70 budgeted into a $250,000 uh, project. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was so mad and I was so just bewildered. And it all got taken care of, but, like, for an hour, I'm just like, I don't want to be in this heightened state of emotion for this long, over $70. It was was stupid. 
It was so stupid. Uh, yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. The one thing I do, I mean, I, I wanted to vent. The, okay, the bone thing I thought was funny, and then the kudos thing and venting. I, I, I definitely don't want to turn this into another work vent episode because we've done that a couple times, and sometimes you need it. Um, what I do want to vent about and talk about is writer's block, and um, the kind of shit show of a writing issues I've had over the last maybe two and a half months, which is a long time and is upsetting, and. I'm kind of curious because I know you've you've done, you've written comics and you draw, and I'm sure drawer's block is like a thing too, where you just you can't make it work or you don't know what to do, or you don't know what to draw. Like, how long does that usually last, and how do you get over it? Well, yeah, I guess I I, I think my problem with artist block is whenever you you have an artist block, how can I put this? It's a personal issue. Because I've seen people give advice on how to deal with it, and those advice, uh, I don't know, those tips never work for me. Um, I've also seen people that just insist that if you have writer's block, it's because you're bad. Like, you're choosing to, and you need to just, like, get over it. And it's like, that's not always the, like, I, I feel like, again, it's a personal thing. And it works a little differently for different people because people have different creative processes. Yeah. I know, like, my my general advice for people who are like, I'm really struggling with writer's block. I don't know what to do. It's sort of like, I tend to try and brute force my way out of it. But it comes a point where either that works in a day or two and you keep going and you're good again, or it doesn't work at all and you're you're kind of fucked and you're like, what do I do now? And that sucks. And and you start feeling like you're bad at the thing, right? Like, I don't. I would never tell someone that, oh, you have writer's block, that means you're bad at writing, because that's horribly rude and, and not true. But I will feel that myself, and it will make me question and second guess a lot of things, because, you know, nothing is ever, like, static, especially if you're doing something creative. If you're having an issue, it starts... It starts compounding on itself, and you stress yourself out, and it's, it, it's, it's really frustrating. I think, so what, what What started this was a couple months ago, and I might have mentioned this on the show, I was writing a story about a bridge that appeared in the middle of the ocean and it doesn't connect anything, and I had four characters going to go explore this bridge, and, I, and it was kind of a comedy, and it was going to turn into, like, Coherence, which is a Netflix movie uh, that had a fun, spooky ending, and I had it all kind of figured out. I was really struggling to balance the comedy with the spooky... And then I had kind of too big of a cast, and I ultimately put more hours into it than I should have, but I abandoned the story. And I was like, you know what, this idea is cool, but the way I'm trying to tell it doesn't really work. I think if I, if I were going to do this again, and I might go back to it, I, w- I would structure it differently. And it would not be a comedy. And it would, you know, have different characters and probably less of them. And it's like, okay, well, that's a one-off. That, that happens. Comedy is really hard to write, right? I mean, you've, you've definitely done some of that. So then the next thing I started to work on involved, well, I got the new kitten and it's, she's been annoying. And so I'm, like, I'm going to write a story about someone who gets a new kitten and the kitten's annoying. does it keeps him up at night. And it was going to turn into kind of a spooky horror story about like, why is the kitten keeping him up at night? Oh, she's like fighting, you know, there's, there's real monsters and and he's, you know, like haunted or whatever by ghosts. And it, it was another one where, 
it started out well, but then I kind of lost the plot. And then so I decided to lean into weird because I thought I was being too, I don't know, easy to follow and like wrote. And then so I leaned into weird and the weird stuff was way better than the not weird stuff. And I'm like, do I need to fix the not weird stuff? It's not working. And I'm like 10,000 words into this and I'm not done and I don't know what I'm doing. It's only supposed to be like 4,000 words. Had someone read it and he's like, oh, the beginning's kind of boring. I started chopping the beginning, realized that wasn't help fixing any problems. And ultimately I abandoned this story too because it wasn't working. But I put a lot, I put like 15 to 20 hours into this. Because I kept trying to fix the stupid thing, thinking it was fixable. And I'm I'm going absolutely nuts, Cameron. And like this is like two times in a row. And it's horrible. I'm sorry I'm talking so much, but if you have anything you want to say, feel free. But this is this has been my like creative mindset over the last like two and a half months, and it's been really bad. So you asked about drawing. Uh, uh there's a lot of exercises. I don't know, are there writing exercises you like? Um not really. I mean, there are some that I think work in theory that are, are you, that, you know, like picture a thing and describe it, picture a character and, and workshop that character, you know, like little specific stuff. Um, I don't I don't usually find like writing prompts that useful. So I don't I don't tend to do a lot of that. I kind of just like try to brute force my way through it and then it works and it sucks when it doesn't which is what happened recently. And there, there is a follow-up. There is a, uh, a third act to this, the, this narrative, but we can get there in a little bit. If I, uh, if I brute force, like if I'm having trouble designing a character, usually I have to just sketch random characters until I like one. I can't, uh, I can't brute force a design. Like I can't design it. Like, okay, it has to have this feature and it has to have this shape. And it has to have like the silhouette and I'll just like make it work. It just never seems to work out. But if I doodle goofy stuff, I'll end up with pieces that I like. And I can, you know, Frankenstein stuff together after that. Sure. Uh, a lot of times, too, it maybe helps to get in a different medium. Uh, something that I've learned that I like a lot is sketching with ink. Instead of, oh. like, with, with graphite, even if you don't erase it. You can still kind of like smear it or get lighter, but like with ink lines, it's a solid, it's black and white. And when you have that, it gives things a different kind of feel. And sometimes that helps me sketch out concepts and ideas just because it looks different. And it, it somehow like my brain parses it different. I can even use that stuff, you know, to compose things a little better. Sure. I guess when it comes to writing, what what is your... Oh yeah, I'm trying to think of how that would work with writing. Um, and so a lot of my writing woes are kind of my own fault. I tend to I don't outline very much, and I don't always mm. character develop that much in the beginning. I kind of just like, like sit down and go. I don't either. I, I like um I like discovering as I go. The problem with that method is you don't know where you're going, and if you're not careful, it really shows. One of the things I told Jean-Luc when he was uh, reading the one draft of the cat story, and he's like, the the beginning of this seems like really kind of, it doesn't go anywhere, it's kind of overwritten, it's a little boring. And I was like, the how the sausage is made is, yes, I, I tend to cut a lot out of the beginnings of, of anything I write because that's kind of how I'm just working myself up and, and figuring things out. And then I'll go back and I'll remove a lot and, and distill it into something, you know, what what the story needs. 
And so I have a very extensive editing process to fix my horse shit. And typically I know that going in, and so I can get to the end and then and then, you know, grab my chisel and my axe and my uh legalist bow and and start cutting. So it's been it's been interesting to like kind of for partially forget that, but also almost get so far in to and then like forget what I'm doing. And it makes me nervous because I, I at some point I want to write another book. You know, novel number six has got to be around the corner. It's been a bit since I've written a novel. I like to do that because uh, I'm weird and I have nothing better to do with my life. And if I don't write books, I will think about the void. But I'm like, I couldn't even finish these two short stories. How the fuck am I going to write another book? I've got a Stephen King quote here. Okay. Ow, that car hit me. <laughs> that's so mean, but goddamn, that's funny. I've got another Stephen King quote. Uh, Amateurs sit and wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and go to work. And I find that funny because yeah. I think of myself as an amateur because in a literal sense I am. But also, I sit and wait for inspiration. <laughs> that's like oh, really? that's how I get over writer's block is I let it block me until I'm over it. And also, this isn't my job. Right. I'm not a professional. I will say, like, I know I know a lot of people that do that, and when inspiration hits, sometimes they write really cool stuff, and it's great. But they do it to a lot of not writing, and sometimes inspiration seems to never hit, and all they do is talk about how they want to write. I don't know how that applies as much with drawing, because, like, you could do a quick doodle that you're happy with in, like, 15 minutes, and then you created a thing, and you're good, like... Like, Drawtober, right, is, uh, or Inktober, whatever it's called. Like, the whole point of that is to draw something every day, and it doesn't have to be a 20-hour masterpiece. In fact, it's not really supposed to be. And, and you just kind of get that dopamine rush of, of putting Man, ink I, or pencil or graphite or whatever. I'm so over Inktober. Oh, yeah? The internet ruined it. Um, like, it ruins all things. I, I guess I want to ask you about... Uh, what is your process when you're doing a narrative? Because you mentioned that you don't do an outline, and I, I feel similarly. I guess like when I'm doing when I'm doing like my long form comic, I technically it's kind of an outline, but because I I, I have to do it that way because there's a visual component. But uh, so what, I'm doing when I write long, yeah, it, it's it's largely like I I do workshop the first scene pretty well. Like I know how I want my thing to start. Um, Stormbreather is a really good example because it's kind of a big uh, fantasy epic pirate story, and it and so there's a there's a structure you're kind of expected to follow, and you want to start with something kind of explosive like they're they're pirates. I want them to start in a bar. Okay, what happens to the bar? What kicks us off? I figure that out, and then I don't really go what's where where do they go next? I'm like okay, I'm gonna write the scene I figured out. And then I'm going to see what they want to do next. And it, it ends with their ship getting kind of damaged. Okay, they got to figure out how to dis fix their ship. Where do they go to do that? Oh, how about this place? Oh, the new guy on the ship has some um, history with that place. He doesn't really want to go there because they're going to recognize him. But they have to. It's the only place there. Okay, they go there. Obviously, he gets recognized because it would be a really bad story to introduce that and then not do it. And so there are... There are narrative expectations that people expect. You introduce something, it's got to pay off somehow. Typically, you know, a little detail like that, soon. A big detail like 
you know, the whole, if there's a gun in the first act, it has to go off by the third act. Like, so you, so, okay, so you start introducing things that might be the gun that goes off in the third act. And you just kind of, part of it is knowing how stories are structured because I read a lot and I watch a lot of movies. And then part of it is just kind of having fun with a big cast. And it's like, what do they seem to, how are they reacting? If I type faster than I can think, then it's not me who's writing the story. It's my fingers. And my fingers are sometimes dumb, but sometimes they're pretty good. And so I really like, I hopes and dreams at Cameron. I don't know why it keeps working. Because uh, I don't know if it should. I guess I I find it interesting. I So when, when I write uh, narratively, what I tend to do is I, I tend to have like characters and it's kind of a character driven thing. And I let the characters drive. Yes. And what that does for me is I'll basically I'll I'll just have the characters drive a chapter at a time and I'll reread it and I'll say I think this is all stupid and I'll start over and I'll point them in a different direction or I'll edit it but I kind of just let them interact and think about like you know what how should this conversation go not so much I want it to go to a certain place but rather if these two individuals were having this conversation you know, how can I simulate this? What would they actually say to each other? And I, I have a lot of fun doing that because it's kind of a thought exercise, uh, to put yourself in a different mindset. And when you're juggling two different personality types doing this, it can be very satisfying to end up with natural ish, you know, dialogue. I, I really like, um, I have like my snake and my mouse character that, they, they, it's like they, they don't like each other, but they get the same job at the gas station. But they kind of like, they get over it and they become okay coworkers where they're like almost friends. And I feel like there's not yeah. that much dialogue between them, but you feel their relationship grow behind the scenes, like in between chapters. You, you, you find it believable that there was this development instead of like shoehorning in dramatic story beats to like sew this together manually. I just sort of let them talk like normal people and they, you know, act like adults. And as a result, yeah. they move forward. Um, and I, I put the drama elsewhere where I'm trying to direct the drama. And I find that very fun. But I also like I can guarantee you when I first started writing some of these, I never thought that's where they would go. <laughs> like I thought it would like. Oh, the, the, for sure. I, thought, I pictured I pictured them fighting more and separating and instead they kind of worked through it and somehow they're just like they're kind of not not buddies but they're a pair in a weird way that i didn't plan and so it's kind of like that's the fun part of writing is that it feels like reading something new anyways but you're the first one that gets to read it yeah then that i think that's why i don't like the outline because it won't be yeah i hate it reading something new i know with um especially something like stormbreather there, there, there is always this kind of long-term goal that the characters have. And, like, early on, it's they're told in, like, chapter four, I think, that, hey, there's an island way over there, and shit's about to go down over there. And if you're smart, you won't go there. But if you're dumb, which you are, you probably will because there's, there's things you want there. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I don't know where they're going to go next or where they're going to go after that. However they do eventually will end up on that island way down yonder. 
And so there's always this kind of like goal that they're trying to steer themselves to. And then you can introduce roadblocks and that they have to get around. Um, in the first chapter, I had introduced kind of a, a rich guy that he liked to pretend to be a pirate. And so he bought himself a pirate ship and a crew and he'd just go around and he'd look for treasure and be a nuisance. And, you know, people just kind of like let him do what he is doing because he had enough money. Um, and he's, he's a shit. He's kind of a shit bag. But he was fun to write. And I was like, you know, he's got to come back, right? Like, I spent enough time describing this eccentric rich dude. I think my character's got to fall so hard on her luck that she's got to go talk to him and ask for a favor. Because he he really likes her. And you're like, oh, is there going to be a romance? I'm like, no, fuck no. I'm not, I'm not going to play into that. I'm going to maybe play into the idea that he wants there to be one. Um, because then she can manipulate him like a pirate would. And, and you know, and so there's... Like I said, there's there's these expectations, and when you start thinking about these a lot, when you read or write, you it can take you out of it because you you start noticing really hard like the building blocks of of the story. But when you're writing, it's really good to know that these building blocks exist because it can really make your life easier down the line, or you know how to pull back and go, okay, what did I introduce like three chapters ago that I could bring back to get me out of a I don't know what to do next, and then you do it. Now, I've never been published, right? So when I give writing advice, there is a certain level of, I'm an amateur. Um, I've only made a couple hundred dollars off my books. But I've written five of them. <laughs> so I, I feel like I, I, have, I have some authority on there just by, by the value that I've done it a lot. Sure. The horror stuff I've written has is, is been a lot more interesting because structurally they're very different. Um a lot of uh, what I've done in that regard, at least long form, is like character versus the self or character versus like an abstract idea. It's less a monster or a ghost and more of uh, of something else. Like there is maybe a monster or a ghost. Like there's a monster in the Grimoire Library and there's a ghost in, in the Dead Cats book I wrote. But they're not really like the main antagonist. They're kind of just flavor. And it was funny when I redid went back to the Grimoire Library to edit it because I thought that book was a fucking mess. And I was really happy with that at one point. I was like, oh shit, I need to restructure a bunch of stuff. And largely it was, oh, the beginning's still super overwritten. There's a lot of things that don't need to be in here because they're not important. And it was just cutting a lot of stuff I didn't need. And then, oh, there's actually a thesis. I should fix the ending so it structurally and thematically makes sense. I'll do that. And I'm really happy with that book now. And it's, you know, available for $9 paperback and I think three for Kindle PDF. Um, I will say that book got some agent agent looks like people people were requesting the full on that. So I did something right. Nice. And I think if I had if I had submitted the version it is now, I, I do wonder if that would have gotten uh, an agent um, because it is a lot better. It just it's weird that it took me like not looking at it for four years um and then three months of rewrites which were not fun but i don't know the 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 process is not a straight line and i know that which is why when i have to abandon a project because i get so frustrated i'm just like i really feels like i'm giving up and i don't like that but i also don't want to like throw my head against a brick wall it's funny um what was that stephen king book about time travel oh the 11 26 63 i think Eleven twenty two sixty three. The Kennedy book. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, that one, I believe he has been writing that like 
that took him what how many years I know quite a few just because of the amount of research um, it took to like actually set the time period properly. But it was it was a long time because he also would, you know, take breaks and come back to it. And it was Stephen King, especially because he just farts stuff out so yeah. fast. It's interesting knowing that the whole time he's like, I'll just write this to clear my mind. And he'll like write a whole book. And then he come back to this that he wanted to kind of take more seriously. And then it's like, well, I, you know, I, I need a break. What if, uh, what if there was an alcoholic, and then a ghost was a metaphor for alcoholism? Okay, and it'll come back to this again. Yeah, and it's like, I, I, I what is, uh, what's George R. R. Martin doing right now? Is he doing anything? Um, yes and no. Like everybody wants him to work on a Song of Ice and Fire proper. He's been doing a lot of like secondary stuff with it. Because I think he's so fucking stuck and fed up with his, like, snarl of plot threads that he's just he's just doing other stuff. Um, I know he's done some video game work. I mean, he, he, he did some, like, consulting on, like, Elden Ring's narrative and lore and whatnot. But I that was, like, six years ago. I think he's done a couple comic book things. Yeah, that's true. He's, he's done I mean, that- at least two fairly large books in Game of Thrones, just, like, um, past stuff, like like, filling out. Uh, before Westeros was a you know like pre pre dragons and whatnot I think um so he's still technically writing and publishing things it's just not what people want him to he is a very slow writer even then like yeah he's put out a couple books in the time since so, but it's only really been like two or three yeah I I guess it's it's just fun to think about these two writers that are like the polar opposites because they're both technically successful at what they do. So you could look at them as inspiration for your own writing style if you relate to either of them. But at the same time, yep. I feel like there's a model that should maybe encourage you to look more at like Stephen King's approach of refusing to have writer's block and just willing yourself out of it. <laughs> it's a... Uh, yeah. I- it's it's Writer's block is a pain because it's not... Um, it doesn't feel fair, and I think it it ties a lot to, like, what what's the word? I looked up writer's block on Google just to see what it says, and there's a definition that specifically describes it as a non-medical condition, but I almost feel like if you're, <laughs> if, if you are, like, stressing out so much that you can't think, I feel like it's becoming a medical condition. Like, there's a difference between just yeah. not having ideas, but also, like, you just can't decide what they do next. And it's like, are you arresting yourself or is something arresting you? Because, again, it's a personal yeah, thing. That, Everybody kind of, uh, really you know, is. gets it different. I think the funny thing about that Stephen King book is I read it last year and was kind of underwhelmed by it. And I, I remember talking about that on the show. Like, it's really long. It is way longer than it needs to be. And, like, some of my favorite stuff in it is not well-realized, and some of my least favorite stuff in it gets a lot of page space. And it's not that I think it's a bad book, but I do think it is a mediocre Stephen King book, which means it comes with certain baggage that he does a lot that I don't always like. Oh, he doesn't incest the time machine, does he? <laughs> no. Um, okay. 
there is some, you know, he gets really weird with like, he's never gotten over his like 80s shock horror, like sex and gore. And every once in a while, he'll be, he'll throw a character in with like a weird sex thing or he'll overly describe something dead to be gross. And it just doesn't add to the story at all. It's just shock value. And it's like, yeah, when you were writing it and when you were on tons of cocaine, that worked. I, I totally dig it in a lot of the old pulpy, nasty horror fiction he's done. But when he puts it in something like that or something a little more, I don't know, normal, you're just like, dude, what are you doing? And why did your editor not make you get rid of this? You know, it's actually, I, I wonder what it's like being Stephen King's editor. I don't know, because he definitely talks about having an editor and he always thanks his editors and the amount of work they put into the book to make it good. And I think some of that is research and fact checking him when he's wrong on whatever it is he's writing about. And I do wonder how much of it, though, is structure. If they if he actually does like sit down and sigh over his coffee and be like, well, chapter four needs to become chapter seven and chapter seven needs to go away and I need to somehow make this work. So I have to rewrite chapter three. And and he just, you know, does shit like that, like the rest of us schmucks, because that situation sucks. But when you pull it off, you feel like a god. I think the things I want to say about this, I'm kind of winding down. And so I'm going to uh, we're 36 minutes in. I don't know what we talk about next, but to, to kind of cap this off, I started writing a, a very short vampire story over like last weekend. And I'm almost done with it. It's only 2,700 words. I got like another paragraph to go, maybe two, and it'll be done. So probably be like 3,000 words. And it was really nice coming back to something that I knew was going to be short, that I was forcing to be short, because there's only two characters and it's one scene, which to me is the best way to write a short story that's under like 5,000 words. Just really bare bones. Ladies going to a vampire. She doesn't know he's a vampire. He want, she wants a, a painting. He's really good at painting. And she gets there and realizes, oh, he's got a lot of paintings of, like, women's necks and blood everywhere because he likes to paint his victims. Uh-oh, I'm in a situation. And it's a gothic horror thing, and she's really mad because she's young and she's going to be married off for money because it takes place in the 1500s. And um, it's coming along really well. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really relieved and the big thing has largely been like, oh shit, the vampire biting her is very much like a metaphor for sexual assault. Didn't really want to deal with that, uh, but vampires are what they are, so that's that's kind of been the difficult thing, but I'm working with it and making it work and, and working with it, so I can say that a third time like a dumbass. So I am, I am climbing my way out of this, right? It is sort of like brute forcing, and the, the third time's the charm, so that's... I don't know. Be be bullish and persistent, maybe. I don't know. I think persistent is a very good word. Yeah. I think it's funny wish, that this many I wish years just like an into answer, writing. <laughs> that's the thing, is there isn't one. I, I Every once in a while, I get kind of complacent. Or I'm like, oh, I've written five books in like a ton of short stories most of them are bad but some of them are really good and like oh clearly i know what i'm doing now this is great i've hit my stride and then i get like humbled to fucking back with this and i'm like oh 
it just you just it never goes away, Cameron. It just you're always kind of battling a certain something when you're making things. And I think it, it it's it's music, it's drawing, it's movies, whatever your shit is, you never really get to that point where it's a hundred percent comfortable. And honestly, my guess is if you do, you start making really shitty stuff. Oh, you know what else really works though? What? Giving up. <laughs> I don't like to give up. I then the thing wins. Okay. I had this All conversation right. with um I think it was my brother and some other people where we were talking about books and like normal people, if they start reading a book they don't like, they'll just put it down. Cause they have you know, they respect their time. And I'm like, no, 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 the book wins if I give up. I have to get to the end of the book. And I might hate every fucking second of it. But I got to get to the end of the book. And then I got to be really mad for a while. And then I'll be fine. And I, I, I hate read a book in a weekend once. Like, like it, was, uh, it probably took me eight hours. And I read like four hours a day. And I hated the shit out of that book. And I still hate the shit out of that book. It was awful. But I, I, I could have just skipped to the last three chapters. And I, if I were smart, I would have done that. I didn't, and I, I finished it. I'm like, that's one of the worst books I have ever read. I did not do anything this weekend but read. It, I, I won, but I didn't. I really didn't. But like, I can't, I can't not do that. If I, if it happens again, it'll happen again. Oh, what was it? There was a bad movie the other day. Oh no, it wasn't. Okay, this wasn't necessarily a bad movie, but it's like a kids' movie. Have you ever watched a uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl? No, but I am aware of that movie as, I've, like, a concept. Yeah, it's basically, like, I thought, I literally thought it was a Spy Kids sequel. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's that genre. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, it was, a it was a movie night last night, and I, I showed up because I think, I, we're doing horror movies, and it's, it's October, and I'm in a horror mood, and I'm talking about spooky things, like, okay, cool. I logged on a little late and say, like, oh, yeah, Halloween's over. We're going to do a uh, shark boy and love a girl now. I'm like, OK. And I was talking to some people. And so I'm just sort of there. But it's like I kind of felt captive because I could say, hey, this isn't for me. I'm going to go. But I couldn't form those words. You know what I mean? I couldn't let the movie yeah. win. It sucks because like. When you watch a bad movie that's, like, bad in a certain way, it's, it's fucking hysterical. And we've talked about that a lot. We, we sat through Turkish Star Wars. But when it's, like, a bad movie and it's just miserable and you're just like, oh, my God, why am I here? No one wins. No one's having fun. But it, does, it doesn't stop us from the torturing ourselves. I mean, it did help that there were people there did so you? we could at least, you know, commiserate a bit, but... I mean, it's one of those, like, was it was it bad enough or maybe you learned something from it? You're like, okay, that sucked, but I I either can appreciate this one thing or, boy, howdy, uh, this this way to do it is really, really wrong. I, I hope to never see that again, or if I ever make a movie or a short film or whatever in my own thing, I will never commit that sin. I mean, I, I think the whole problem is it's just, it's a dumb kids movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's kid actors that cannot act. It's, uh, the entire movie is basically CGI, and so you can see how 
like the budget was so thin because the the entire movie is basically on a green screen. Sure. And you can see so Taylor Lautner um, in it before he was uh, in Twilight, though. It, it, yeah, I mean, they, there there were there were some people in it, but it was just a, it's such a kids movie. And I'm not opposed to watching kids media because like we, we watch cartoons, but there's kind of like I I want at least something about it that's either mildly intellectual or mildly artistic that I can pull from it. And with this, it's just yeah. well, that was the CGI of the era. Like I, I don't know what else they were supposed to do. This is about it. <laughs> um I don't know that we need to talk about it, but the plot was like they there was like a dream. I don't remember if this was like an actual science fiction thing or if it was just because dreams are magic. But it's like it takes place in the in like this kid's dream and it's like while he's dreaming, he he's it's like a lucid dream thing where he can like create the world or whatever, and he has these superheroes. And there's like a school bully that's like jealous of him or something, and so he wants to ruin his dreams. And so Shark Boy and Lava Girl are these like fictional characters that he dreamed up, but they're like limited based on how well he's dreaming. And it's like the little boy doesn't have confidence, but then he he gets confidence later. And then he becomes God in his dream world because he realizes he could do that all along. And it's like, well, yeah, no shit. Like Like you do. Like you do. Um. (laughs) Any any story. Okay, I'm definitely guilty of using dreams a lot in fiction. Um, They're fun. And you can do stuff. But there's right and wrong ways to do them. And when the bulk of, like, the exciting shit is like, it's in a dream. Always a bad, always a bad decision. Uh, it's sort of like Sucker Punch was a bad movie. Because all of the fighting and the fun, zany stuff was like, it's not real. They're just imagining it because they are they hate their lives. And this is how they cope. Which could be interesting, but it wasn't. Because Zack Snyder is kind of a mid-director. And that's the takeaway. That's the takeaway is don't 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 hint, don't make your action scenes all dream sequences because that's stupid. They don't have any weight. And no one cares. You know that too. I think the, um, <laughs> if if the takeaway is like just don't don't hire kid actors and don't have a a movie that's about dreams. The the book I hate read in a weekend. I didn't ta- I didn't learn anything from that book. I was I was, front to back didn't like any of it. There's there was no no redeeming qualities. But it sold well. And I remember when I was sending out one of my books to agents, I saw a couple that were like I'm looking for the next version of this book. If you have something like this, I want to read it. And I think my takeaway was boy howdy. The literature world is not a meritocracy. <laughs> It is what will sell, and what will sell a lot, and it doesn't matter if it's good. And I always try to keep that in mind when agents reject me by the dozen load. It's like, it's not that it's a bad book, it's that no one's buying Steampunk Pirates in 2023. But, what if they were? Makes you think. That'd be really cool. It does. Uh, it does make me think. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. 
Nah. I'm sorry. Someone, someone sent me this. Uh, someone sent me this AI picture because they know me. I don't want to go. We're we're talking about AI before the show. I didn't want to make an AI episode again, but it's a. I. It's a. It's a magazine ad that just I'm, says that's a shame, but it's time to play, and it's like a grieving family over a Mario casket, and they all have Mario hats, and they're all holding Game Boys. <laughs> it's. I am quickly sending this to so many people that are going to be like, why the fuck have you sent this to me? And the answer is because this this makes me laugh really hard. This is so stupid. But also, <laughs> it's you. But the, but the casket says super shame on it. <laughs> I know. And it's got like I... a really fucked up D-pad on it, too. But I love that it looks like an ad because the the thing is like I I don't know how many of these magazine like these video game magazines you ever read, a lot of them were terrible ads like you do not understand why they ran with it. They were like weird like sex things and and just like confusing or like shocking because it's just trying to get you to not turn the page. You know what I mean? I oh, did you ever see that uh, that PlayStation ad that was like implying that your wife will cheat on you with your PlayStation because it's so appealing? No, but I really like the concept. Um, here it is, a PlayStation Two ad. Oh, I did see this one. So it's Jesus the Jesus Christ! Really? It, That's it's upsetting. like the four. Yeah, it's like the four. The, like PlayStation has those like four symbols that are the face buttons. So it's like an X and yep. a triangle and a circle and a square, but they're made out of like human flesh with like male body hair. And it's like she's having a five way with these shapes in bed and her husband's coming home from work early and it just says PS2 in a very small font. So like you turn this magazine page and you're like, what am I even looking at? Oh, that's Yoshi. I wonder. Uh, honestly, I'm really proud of Claire. Uh, in my writers group who is like learning to just counter my horseshit with strange horseshit of her own and I, I'm here for it because normally it was like I'm so upset why are you sending me this weird stuff that's technically not offensive but is a little offensive and now it's just you know like what? here's Yoshi I wonder if she's in the same thread because like I, I opened the link here and it's just a bunch of uh, video game characters with like spades logos yeah, that one's classy though. This one was um, a little more stripper. Uh, but also the Black Lives Matter hat. Like I, I just saw one up here that was uh, it was like a sexy tails from Sonic, but he also had like a big Black Lives Matter banner, but it was like inside a convention, so I wasn't exactly sure what the prompt they used was. I <laughs> okay. My point is. I, we were talking about writer's block, but I shifted it into terrible magazine ads. Yeah, but I, I'm happy because that's what we do on this show. I, I think that one of these things, I don't know if I've brought this up on the show before or not, but when I was trying to decide what I wanted to be when I grew up, at one point, I really sincerely wanted to be a uh, mar- like get in marketing and do commercials because I just I love commercials so much, you know? It's my love of film, yeah. but also short storytelling, short form, but also you have to be like weird and quirky. Um, and the the reason I didn't pursue that is because I decided that 
I'm not that evil. Yeah, that's see. sensible. But I I still hold an appreciation of ads. Like I I will watch old commercials and you know I pay attention to this stuff. I talking about writer's block, man. If I had to do some of these magazine ads. I would probably push envelopes as far as I could also, just because it's like, well, what else do you want me to do? Yeah. I remember... Here it is. Okay, this is what confused when, uh, me, was Tails is, like, dressed oh. like a sexy nun. Um, But also, there's something about this image that I think if you added text, it would just look like an actual Sega ad. I I love the Black Lives Matter in the background because the it, you can tell it's supposed to read that, but it's so fucked up. Like, there's only one T, and the uh, A is the Apple logo, and and Lives has two Vs, um, and they're different sizes, and it looks like it's supposed to say sex at some point, but it's spelled that really wrong because it added an M. <laughs> it's just so it's so weird. It's so fucking weird, and I can't stop laughing. Okay, so I found a, a clickbait article, top 10 worst print ads for video games. The first one I see is this PlayStation 2 ad. <laughs> so I'm, I'm on my, I'm on a roll. Um, the next one is this amazingly racist one for Donkey Kong Country on the Game Boy. Where it's just this like tribal guy and he says, if these aren't the coolest graphics, my name isn't Yaoi Kanawi. And he's just holding a oh, Game Boy. oof. And it's like it's kind of weird because I, like I don't know where he's really. This is a strange ad because it's like, I I just okay. Here's one. It's two. It's two people making out, but they're like arguing about Klonoa, and it's like just fine print by Klonoa. That is a really weird ad. The thing about Klonoa is that character is like, not sexual. Is very young. And it's a platformer for children, and so I don't, uh, I don't know how this is, uh, uh, who that's for. The tennis one. I can see a girl's butt. Also, there's a video game. So, uh, that's around the time, shit. around the time that Passion of the Christ came out, they thought, hey, PlayStation is celebrating its ten-year anniversary. That's kind of like Jesus. So here's a guy with a thorn crown made out of PlayStation logos. This is 10 years of passion. PlayStation. Wow. We're just kind of like, I what like are you that. selling? I, I... <laughs> like, I, I, I understand the pieces that maybe went into this. And it's kind of like, yeah, I think you missed the mark, though. Like, you didn't stick the landing. It's just, it's just weird enough to be funny. Uh, here's one for Rayman where he's at a urinal and all the other guys are like, wow, your cock is so large. Oh, wow. When I think of Rayman, I think of giant dicks. Oh, well, you know what I'm going to do before we, we finish up this episode is go to rule34.xxx and type in Rayman. Well, I can, I can choose from Legends, Origins, or Series. Series has oh. the most. Yeah, I would imagine. None of these are of Rayman on the first page. They're all of like the secondary skin girl characters you can unlock, which does not surprise me. Um, but I am a little disappointed. Can I just do like there's Rayman underscore anatomy? What the hell is that? 
I think that's when they don't have arms. Disappointing. Like their hand is just floating. If I just Rayman, what, what if I just buy itself without any tags? Why Why is the, Why are there no just... I want to see Rayman's dick and I cannot find it. Like, why is this so hard? I did not think... I'm having writer's block with Rayman's dick, Cameron. How about this PS Vita ad? Oh, those were always weird. Holy shit. <laughs> I cannot believe that it? is real. <laughs> so... Listeners, my lovelies, my lovely little listeners, my Richard. Hi, Richard. It's a girl um, in a low-cut dress with no straps or nothing. Uh, so it's just kind of her boobs. And she's got boobs on the front and boobs on the back. And it says, touch both sides for added enjoyment. And it's got very moody lighting, like she's about to do a, a very proper like photo shoot. So what I'm learning is Rayman has a very normal penis because there's not a lot of them, and when I do see it, it's just it's just a regular dick. I'm starting Which to think that magazine given, like, ad how... is exaggerating. Yeah, like, well, his limbs don't attach to his body. You think his dick would float too, right? I, I, I don't picture him having anything. I mean, basically for the same reason, but yeah, that's fair. What the fuck is this? It looks like a sausage and it says B1 and I'm seeing video games at the bottom and they're Nintendo 64 games and they look like they're race car games? Yeah. it. I, I don't know what it means. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if I'm missing like uh, slang or something of the era. So, yeah. <laughs> we had our fun. I, I had a really good time. I, I do. I hate that this has become a reoccurring segment where I apologize for the show. But, you know, <laughs> I didn't mean to turn this into therapy. It was kind of fun to talk about. I hope there was useful things. I, I do love the idea of just having like a scheduled segment on a show where it's just the host apologizes for the show that just took place. Like that's like written down I on mean, the plan. You know, we we're, we get a little weird sometimes. Just a, a wee bit. I, I enjoy talking to you, though. Why? <laughs> Cameron, do you have anything that made you glad this week? Yeah, I watched a movie that came out, I believe, this year. Uh, let me get the title, because I always say it wrong. I want to say it's No One Will Save You. That's it. Um, I don't know... Uh, do you have Hulu? Uh, yes. I kind of recommend it. This is kind of a fun watch. It's interesting. Uh, there's no spoken word. Like, not really. I think maybe uh, there's like a couple instances of saying something, but it's there's so little dialogue. There's like no sentences. And it's about a very lonely woman that uh, she kind of, like, she's kind of isolated and something spooky happens one night and it and then like aliens invade and so it's not just alien invasion it's like she feels alone plus there's aliens invading and it's it's a horror movie but it's a pg-13 horror movie and i think that's all i can really say without like giving away too much of what i really liked about it i i strongly recommend no one will save you 
during the Halloween season. I've been in an extra Halloween-y mood this year. I feel like it comes and goes, but I'm like really feeling it. Nice. That's fun. But yeah, I recommend it. Hell yeah, I'll have to check that out. How about yourself? What can I... Yeah, what should I pick? I have, a, I have some options, which is always nice. Um, little things that made me smile. This one's this one's dumb. Uh, so Newt fell in the toilet this morning. Oh no! Which uh, was a little less funny at the time, but is very funny now. I was I was in the bathroom. I had the door open. I was shaving, you know, before work. And since she's a kitten and thinks the house is hers and my attention is hers, and she should know exactly what I'm doing all the time, she wanted to get onto the uh, the counter and 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 have a look. And she's too small to just jump straight up there. So, you know, toilet. And, uh, yeah, she, uh, she went in the toilet and got pretty wet and then jumped out and tried to have dignity, but that was impossible. And so I had to close the door and then, and then towel her off and make sure she was all right and, and then let her go. And it was, it was very funny, Cameron. It was was a a mean thing to laugh at because she, she did not enjoy it, but it was, it was very funny. I think enjoying your kitten getting into trouble is a very good glad space. Yeah. There was that. She had a bad week. There was that. And then the other day, um, I usually give Ripley like one or two cans of wet food a week just because he likes it, but he doesn't he doesn't eat all of it. He just takes the gravy off the top. But cats have struggle so they struggle with moisture, and so it's it's a way to to give him some and if they're like a dollar a can. Uh Newt really likes the wet food. They make her super gassy, so I don't like it when she eats them. So I, I crack one open, cats both run, and I grab Newt and just hug her while Ripley eats all the best stuff off the top. And I've never seen her look so, so sad. Like, oh. her world was ending as she watched the other cat eat the food she really wanted to eat. And I, I let her have the rest of the can. You know, I just, I wanted Ripley to, to have the thing he really liked first. And it was... It was maybe the meanest thing I've ever done to her, honestly. It was it was another thing that was really funny, but, you know, not for her at the moment. I miss your cats. My cats are fun. I, I do like my cats. Um, I hate them sometimes, but mostly I like them. I think they're goofy-rific. Yeah. I hope, I hope we had fun here. Um, I, I think did. I had fun here. I hope uh, no one out there has writer's block. Yeah. And if you do, I'm sorry. It sucks. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. I think that's what we're going to say goodbye. And so long and thanks for all the fish. Um, I do want to say, I think in a couple weeks, it might be less than a week now, uh, our friend Renoki is releasing a game. So, yeah, I would like to have him on to talk about it. I also feel like he might be really busy right up to release. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> but uh, if anyone out there is curious, uh, it's called Wivia on Steam. And you can wishlist it. I don't remember if there's a demo or if he sent me like a thing. But it it it's coming around. You can look at the trailer at least. I think it's worth taking a look at. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, it would be fun to have him on, though. And aside from that, take care, everybody.
Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. I got a Reese's cup with white chocolate, and it's shaped like a pumpkin. Because I'm in a Halloween mood. Yeah, they are. <laughs>